Hello and welcome again to the Bald Move Television Podcast, Banshee Edition. This week we're talking about episode 405, A Little Late to Grow Up Here, which if you'd asked me before the episode aired, I would have sworn that that's a Job quote. Turns yeah, out I, I literally couldn't get further away from Job as a human being than Watts, and Watts is the one that said it. Yeah. Right, it was his, fi- it was his last words, fitting last words. Agreed. So, um, what did you think of this episode? I'm your host, Aaron, by the way. And oh, and I'm, I'm Cecily. asking Cecily, yes. <laughs> uh, I thought this was a good episode. It was uh, full of the horrific action that we've come to love on Banshee and hate at the same time. Uh, this plot, this Rebecca plot, continues to unfold through flashbacks. And uh, yeah, I just all around enjoyed it. How did you feel? I liked it, too. I, I like anything that touches on Proctor's residual anger from being shunned by this community and how it impacts people like himself and Rebecca. Because you uh, relate so well. Yeah. And I also liked the... Uh, I, I like Hood and Job making amends to each other. Like that's, I feel like that that's been... That's something that need, the show needed to get out of the way. Yeah, exactly. Just when I was thinking, you know, just believing so much in your heart that Job was dead and just giving up on him is totally unforgivable. But at the same time, I completely forgot that he had also served 15 years in prison for for this job that they all agreed that they knew the risks on. Well, yeah. it, seemed, it seemed like it was a fair way to, to and, and make Hood amends. Never, and, and Hood never blamed him. You know. So I, right. it does seem like it was entirely understandable. I'm glad they had the conversation, and I'm also glad to see the return of Job. Like Job has now got his own Job self back. Yes, and that's pretty exciting. Like you know, and, and I feel like full makeup next episode. I don't know because even no. within the series, like Job, there's diff- many different seasons of Job. Uh, you know, like when the Hood and him first met, he was going through his Skrillex phase. Right. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see. Like he's been, re- he's been rocking the uh, refugee robe. Refugee Job. Maybe he had a refugee robe, too. I, Maybe, I never yeah. saw him get out of the shower. Uh, but uh, Carrie seems like the, play, the type of woman who gives him the full hotel treatment. Uh, mints on his pillows. Robes in the bathrooms. But, but he does have to do his own chores. He does have to do his own chores. There it's are only no fair. no free lunches. It's only fair. Yeah. I mean, that's a better deal than most AB- Airbnbs. So Correct. What are you going to do? Although I thought... So why we're just talking when mm-hmm. she said, here's your list of chores. Uh, and he said, I don't do windows. I was sure that those are going to be some kind of hacking duties. And then when I him saying, so I don't do windows was a sly reference to like, I'm going to use Linux or, you know, oh, a nerd joke. Yeah. 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 Like I don't do, I don't do Microsoft windows, that kind of windows. Right. But it, no, it turns out he was just doing, sure. uh, just doing uh, uh, Charlie work. Charlie work, yep. Job work. Uh, do you want to get into the opening credits? Yes, the opening credits were interesting. There's a lot to talk about this time. There's devil horns sprouting from the Polaroids. I, I was promised a horse having its legs cut off with a chainsaw. Yeah, they, when they when they showed the the horse and then the, like the Polaroid shifted where it had no legs. I'm yeah, like, like the huh. Polaroid was ripped in half yeah. off the legs and there was red. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And then when uh, Proctor and Burton jumped out with the chainsaw and the Amish community coming to town with their cart full of stuff and their horse, I'm like, oh, my yeah. God. I was like, oh, no. It's going to be reverse Godfather. That's He's taking the, reason, the legs, not the head. That's the reason why I really, I, 
I think old war movies are really boring. Yeah. But the biggest reason why I hate watching old war movies is because the horses always die. Mm. So many horses die. It's so terrible to watch. Mm. So that horse, that horse got freedom. Yeah. That horse got the Job treatment this episode. The horse is like, see ya, suckers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to the land of sugar cubes. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the Amish don't give them sugar cubes. They just give them... Carrots? Baby, baby carrots. Baby carrots. Ba- onions. <laughs> they feed them onions for a treat. Uh, and they don't want the horses to, you know, live uh, and get too much earthly fulfillment and, and enjoyment. Yeah. We got even more uh, Polaroid girls with daddy issues. Are, is this building up to some sort of big Deva reveal? Well, so I start, yeah. But on the other hand, it also could fit. Rebecca mm-hmm. and Kai, because they have this, you know. It's very specific to dad, though. I know, but he's she's like they got these daddy issues, and like Kai Proctor was her um, surrogate father. You know, and what? I lover. could see an alternate universe where Deva and Rebecca were friends, and she, oh sure, and she pulled Deva. And if this had gone another two seasons, I think it definitely would have gone there. At some yeah, point. they could do like a Thelma and Louise routine, right? The early years, yeah, without the. Driving off a cliff thing. I you know, well, well maybe, maybe they would, maybe, yeah. and they just have a parachutes and it turn into a triple X kind of thing. Yeah, like, you know, extreme Rebecca and extreme Deva. I, I encore, encore. It, I mean, Deva. I mean, it's significant that Deva's been mentioned this season exactly once, and we've seen her one time briefly. She was going to go meet her old man when he was gone native, but I don't know. To me, it's like I'm starting to come around to the idea that maybe this is just some kind of figurative relationship to her. The Rebecca and Proctor had, uh, because it does seem like they've um, they got this dynamic where she's acting out and he's reprimanding her, and you know we saw that now just a, a, less than a month ago or a month ago exactly uh, that she had been skimming. Well, from Proctor's view, he she'd been skimming money from the strip club. Her view, she earned that money because these are profits that uh, she earned. So and- is he not paying her? I'm he's sure giving he, her she the, is, but not. I mean, she's not. He's not paying her enough to be independent. He's paying her enough to. Is he paying her in like a place to live and buying her the dresses he wants to see her in? And the yeah, he wants to see her wear. Yeah, like but not actual money. It's it's like uh, what Watt said. You know, like it's it's he's compensating her. She's not really getting a piece. A piece she could she could set aside for a rainy day and to set her own self up. But no, he's just he's just giving her enough to to, to keep her kind of dependent on him right uh we're just talking about the credits right now is there anything else in there that you wanted to uh well the so the whole punches keep multiplying yes and we know that the anytime that we see something additive like that in the banshee credits it's usually significant of something like right or it's in the episode itself yeah but but i mean specifically like last year's the military class ring yeah that keeps turning and turning until the finger was gone and this it's like i'm wondering where they're going where they're going to these hole punch things so what's been added this time last week we got the upside down hole cross so it's like uh there was there was holes across an entire woman hole punches through an entire woman's hand or her arm and then there's a shadow on the ground with a hole punch through it too through the hand right i don't know I, I honestly don't know, but it's 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 building some to something. Right. Let's not forget to talk about this in the final episode. Yeah. When they just blow us away with all these holes. <laughs> They're going to assemble a collage of all these hole punches, and it's going to mean something. <laughs> it's going to be a. It's going to be one of those dot portraits of Hood. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You like gotta like they, squint and like back up. A yeah. When they take of- three thousand pictures from Empire Strikes Back, and you look at it, oh, it's Yoda. You yeah. Know, that kind of thing. 
Uh, so the episode starts with uh, Veronica and Hood not fucking already. They are not. They're stubbornly refusing to fucking. He, or she drives him out to, I assume, pretty far away from his cabin. Yeah. Just generally based on what I assume Hood's behavior would be. And she starts drinking a whiskey bottle in the car and he leaves. He's sick of her shit. As she tries to press him for more information about Rebecca so they can work together. Uh, As he walks back to his house, he sees that it's being burned down by none other than Kai Proctor. Indeed. And he seems really surprisingly calm about the whole thing. He says, you bring me the killer and uh, we'll we'll be good. We're even. Yeah. um, I took your slash my house away from you. Yeah, there. there I, I thought this was a great scene because he's like, I thought we had a deal. You could, you know, kind of be yourself, but you know, leave Rebecca out of it. Rebecca's off limits, and you know, he threatens to kill him. And Hood's like, "Well, get the fuck on with it." So he's concerned that the FBI will find this killer and arrest him and put him beyond his powers because Proctor wants to get medieval on this guy. And I don't blame him. I yeah I, I don't blame him either. Uh, but uh, he's gonna have to find another place to live. I, I thought it was yeah. I mean, there's a couple practical things here. Like if this thing's really going, you can see a, a fire at night forever, especially a large one, right? And I'm like, how far did Veronica drop him off, or did this something work? Their Proctor, you mentioned, well, maybe Proctor timed it for his arrival, which implies that maybe Veronica. He's got some kind of tabs on Veronica, or Veronica's reporting to him, which I don't know that that's what the show wants us to think. No, I didn't think that at all. Okay. Okay. I just think, I mean, maybe he did see the house fire as soon as he got out of the car, running towards it, or okay. he's not going to make it burn any less fast. But that's what happened. Uh, just following Hood's story here, he goes to see Sugar, and he uses sugar shower and uh, eventually moves I assume he just goes to visit, but it doesn't so show him actually making the move back into Shaban's old trailer. I thought that's a great idea, a great place for him to squat, though. I don't and another I, clever I, excuse for an old location to be completely gone as the termites got to it, so it's yeah. got to burn too. But Shaban's place, you can just tow that across oh, yeah. to wherever you need it to be. Yeah, exactly. If, uh, you know, they they make a, a movie, a Banshee movie, they can tow it up to Vancouver. Save save all that t- tax money. We're down to Georgia. Get the tax credits there. Yeah. I wouldn't mind living in a camper in the woods like this. It seems cozy and nice. Yeah. Sure. She had a really nice house before, but this isn't a bad substitute. Uh-uh. Um, so then Hood goes to visit Brock and is waiting in his car when he gets in. And he's asking him for details about the new victim. And all Brock can tell him is that there's a six-year-old on the reservation that won't talk about it. So, uh, presumably, Hood's going to go beat the shit out of the six-year-old kid. He's like, uh, don't speak English, huh? See if you speak the lesson of bare knuckles. (laughs) It's universal language. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, he finds a kid, and I'm pretty sure that he draws crayon drawings of, like, his family being murdered to get him to give him the picture of the Satanist guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's how. This you, is what your mom's going to look like. It's like, kid, do I have to fuck your mom? Not to fuck your mom right in front of you. Because I will. Because I will. I might do it anyway. In fact, but... she's already looking at the windows, licking her lips. <laughs> I'm ear fucking resistible. Uh, but he does give him the... Uh, what are we just calling him? Satanists? This guy's got... I thought that... Surgically implanted horns. Sure. Now, now I thought that... 
First of all, these are pretty lame horns. Right, they're just bumps. Like, I've seen people with, like, surgically implanted, like, some kind of screws that they can screw in real horns. Yeah, I mean, we if saw a guy go, If you're going to go like Satanist, go full pole. Satanist. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just, just yeah. I the thought... Devil incarnate. I was kind of surprised that Hood jumped to the... Like, if I see a kid drawing bumps on people's heads, and he says they're horns, I don't think, oh, well, he must have saw a guy with horns. I'm thinking this kid was terrified... And it was early morning, probably poor lighting, and he just sees this guy as some kind of monstrous thing. It's, yeah, he's dragging a body around. You just see a monster. That yeah, it's like sense. in True Detective Season 1, this isn't a spoiler, but early Spaghetti going... Spaghetti face Yeah, monster. they see a, a, a kid drew a picture or uh, did an artist impression of a guy who looks like he's a spaghetti face, green-eared monster. You don't go no knock one in said, the kitchen of every place in the, in the yeah. county looking for someone with spaghetti on their yeah, face. Yeah, nobody's like, oh, there's a spaghetti monster on the loose. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, what could, what could this you know mean or and I, I thought it was a little silly that hood's just like oh yeah i, I need to find a place where people are rocking horns but then again Banshee's it's 2016 and people are now rocking horns so maybe you can't be that dismissive yeah and he isn't so he goes and we see that brock goes to visit the dead the most recent dead girl's mom and gives her her stuff back and in classic movie style the mother blames the police for not seeing this coming i think people i think that's something that people do for sure yeah, i don't the, think the, that's fair i mean it's no, a serial killer it's not, it's not like it's not like uh, it, random acts of gun violence in an open street that would be like that would be different but your daughter was walking alone at night and was taken by a psychopath i mean yeah, nobody she's asking can, for it walking alone i night. would what never would imply that no i know you i, I know but, <laughs> but i i think i'm just saying that it's that it's a scary thing that police can't anticipate I do feel like that that is... And if anything, you should be blaming her employer for not having them going out in pairs, which is something you normally do. I'm just saying that I feel like that that's something that people do. They blame police. They blame doctors. Like, it's only that. That's part of the grieving process. Like, it's part of the anger, you know, that you got to be angry at somebody. You can't really be angry at the victim, although some people are. And you can't be angry at yourself in this situation, so be angry at something. Um... Yeah, it's like two movies. I've I've I known mean, someone I, close to me that's died, and I haven't blamed anyone for it. I know, but I'm I'm wondering if like you know, in in her mind, like what's the acceptable number of it's like okay, well, if my sister was the second death or the third death, but the fourth death, come on, really, <laughs> really, really, are you even trying? <laughs> um, so Brock does get inspired to do something, so he decides to hold a press conference and speaks directly to the serial killer, a nice fun TV trope. No, it, it turns into a WWE, like, SmackDown, uh, a SmackDown uh, yes, press I'm conference. You like, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah what, what are you going to do when Brockamania runs all over you, brother? <laughs> I'm coming for you. Yeah, it's, it's pretty entertaining. Uh, the Satan guy, I mean, he calls his press conference in less than an hour, but Satan guy knows to be watching and have his best wine in hand. Uh, while... yes. oh, that's the thing like this is a good this is a pretty good banshee episode but yeah the satanist stuff continues to be re-fucking ludicrous yes uh so this is also interspliced with veronica getting high on crack while she continues to review the case yeah i can only assume she thinks this makes her a better detective yeah so they show up or she shows up rather to this bdsm surgically implanted body mod type of bar mm-hmm. place that because banshee has one of those they have sure. one of everything of course they do small town but again they got again rumspringa 
<laughs> you know, these these Amish kids, they just they go crazy. Cater to Rumspringa, yeah. You gotta get. I mean, how do you know that the Amish lifestyle is for you until you get surgically uh, subdermally in uh, horn implants? Of course, like you don't. Course, you you don't. don't. You gotta try it. Yeah, you gotta try all of the English lifestyle and what it has to offer. Yep. So uh, Veronica almost gets overpowered by these people, and Lucas finds her. Coincidence. I thought it was okay because they explained it like as much of a coincidence as showing up as your house is being set aflame. It's fine. It's fine with me. I, and then I think they did. I was kind of raising my eyebrows, but then it's like when he talks about you know running down the leads, he's essentially there for the same reason that she's there. Yeah. So and, and they were. I can only assume this is the only one of these bars. Yeah. No, I mean, come on, Rumspring can only explain so much. <laughs> you don't need two. You don't need kind. You know, if. if if one moves in, then you, you this is Banshee. They just eliminate the competition. Like, right. look, there's only room for one body mod shop in this this <sighs> county. So take that shit to Pittsburgh, pal. <laughs> they get the name of a Doctor Quick, who is an ex surgeon, now body mod specialist. Surprised we didn't get to 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 define this person. Is the killer Doctor Quick? Oh, I don't know. Is he? Maybe. We don't know his name. It's never stated even when Oh, shit. Did the, did the meek acolyte mention his name and I just didn't make that connection? No, I'm, I was listening. I'm pretty okay. sure she didn't. All right, because that would be that would explain why they mentioned the na- name and didn't, didn't actually connect that dot in this episode. Right. Plus, I think Dr. Quick might be a pseudoname. So even if she did call him like <laughs> really? Nathan or whatever... Dr. Horny Horny Implant Man. <laughs> that's his, that's right. his street name. Yeah, it's his street name. <laughs> You'll never guess what he does. Uh, so, is this another victim, or is this a completely different... Who are we talking about? We're talking about... The Meek Acolyte? The Meek Acolyte, the flower girl in who just hangs out and does flowers in the middle of the night and worships the devil. Sure. Worships the devil. Of course she she does flower range by day, worships the devil by night. I think that yes, that she's probably going to die. I think there must be a difference between taking someone unwillingly and killing them and then making someone into a sacrifice. Yeah. It's like, you know, Harry Potter, you had to have a flesh from the servant willingly given and flesh from the enemy, most unwillingly given. So it's it's a little bit you know something old something new something borrowed the something blue. Are they going to conjure the actual devil this episode? Man, or, I mean this season. <laughs> uh, it'd be funny if like they do and just like Kai Proctor steps out of the pot like all blood you know it yeah. rises from a puddle of blood's like what I was just in my mansion what's going on? I've been here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have all fucked up. You got to have to cross us up. So what are you doing? <laughs> uh, I no I, I don't know. Like surely the literal devil does not fit within banshee oh no that was a joke okay well i don't know i mean <laughs> i wouldn't have thought see, here's the thing because like the literal satanists are silly and so were the you know so were the red bones and so was the amish kind of mafia thing going on and the so, brotherhood the brother this is all ridiculous yes. but at least it has interpersonal connections with the characters of banshee and the county and all that stuff right the satanists just feel like they parachuted in from another film yeah, that's strange. But what? But the fuck? I'm reserving actual judgment until we see how it all plays out. And also, like, it also feels frustrating because the final season of Banshee, I thought, would deal with Hood and his origins and kind of that mystery and finding out his name, all kind of, you know, and and and, and, and I'm I'm not getting any of that. I'm getting this yeah. Satanist stuff that doesn't seem like it's going to connect. So far, I was just hoping for them to free Job 
and then to have one last heist. That's what I was hoping for. Hmm. Well, there's still time for that. Mm, three episodes left. I don't know. Okay, so Veronica and Hood go back to her hotel, and she asks for his help in continuing to find this killer since they seem to be of like minds in their leads. Uh-huh. Good thing she put away a crack pipe. Yes. And, and, and or housekeeping cleaned it up. I was going to say, because like, she was in the midst, midst of a crack or meth binge when she's like, oh my God, it's a tattoo place, and went off there. I don't... I mean, I don't know. When I'm smoking she's my crack up, pipe yeah. and I'm super high, I don't think about putting away all my paraphernalia before I go off and you know, run to the dollar store. Or at the store very least, the you store. shove the pipe in a drawer. But she picked up all the pictures. She she really tidied it up. Maybe yeah, you're right. Did. Room service. Room yeah. service. It's a great hotel. I hope she tips well because she's paying for discretion. Well, she gave that just... guy 50 bucks just to call her a little girl. So <laughs> True. Yeah. So... Oh, but, can, we, we we're talking about this uh, this the Satanist uh, botanist Gale. Are we going to revisit that scene botanist. because you're yeah, a botanist? Because uh, I've got something that I picked up on, which is that they were repeating things to each other twice. Oh, I was going to say like, over are you that a true because believer? I think you're reading way into it. I think well, it's just bad writing. I'm just saying it happened four times. Like he said, "Do you are you committed to the cause? I am. I am. Are you a true believer? I do. You truly believe? I do. I do. Will you serve me? I will. I will." And then he said, "Thank you, thank you." And I'm like, "Is this a Satanist thing? Do they have mm-hmm. like, you know, because like in the Harry Dresden files, the fucking elves have they don't spoiler alert, not that far yet. What? No, I'm just. This is not a spoiler. This is a mechanics thing that the el- like the elves and the fairy creatures." You, they they can weasel out of a promise unless you make them repeat it three times. Mm-hmm. Is there some kind of Satanist thing where it's like, you know, if they say it twice in a row, it's it's a binding promise? Because Satanists, like, I feel like that's like if they're the opposite of, uh, you know, godly whatever, that they would lie and cheat and, you know, mm-hmm. all this other stuff. But if you say it twice, it's like some kind of magic thing. Or am I just reading too much into it? You were on your own with that. I did. And, and that's the thing. Like, I'm, 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 I'm Googling. I'm like, Satanist saying things twice. Satanist repeating things. Like, there's nothing coming up. Nope. I think you're on your own. Okay. Well, that is just she writing. <laughs> so you mentioned this earlier, but Rebecca does go into her bank, into her safe deposit box, and finds that Proctor has taken all of her money. But also followed her there to gloat about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Make sure she knows who's in control. Yeah. Rebecca. So Cruz is... What do you think about him, her dare? There's a lot of people daring people to shoot each other in this episode. Did you... Right. Is there something... I mean, what are they trying to do here? What, what were they telling me by Proctor saying, if you're going to pull that gun on me, you better shoot it. And then He's... Rebecca throwing away in disgust. She still got, or he still has the power over her, even though. Huh. Yeah. And you still, and so does this? Are you still thinking that I'm crazy that it's going to turn yes. out that Proctor did kill her? Yes. What about Burton? You still think that it's impossible that Burton interpreted this as like this is a threat? My boss is emotionally compromised. This is yes. what he'd want me to do if he was his best version of himself. Yes. If he was the Kai Proctor that Mister Rogers knew he could be. He would he would have already killed Rebecca, so I'm going to help him. I still disagree. Okay. All right. In fact, I've got a new theory. Oh. What if it was sugar? <laughs> sugar, how'd you get so high? There was a uh, time when... There was a time in the bar when he and uh, Hood were no, talking. No, yeah, sure. 
And he says, I'm not sure that you didn't kill her. That doesn't mean that Proctor didn't either. There's something that he said that made me think that it would cast suspicion on him, which oh, yeah. is ludicrous, of course. But just put it out there. If it comes true, I predicted it first, <laughs> even though I don't believe it myself. Yeah, I like how you said that's a fact. In fact. Fact. That's what we deal with in the Banshee podcast. Facts. Facts. Uh, Cruz does her own investigating into the factory and sees that there is a boot shape size women's 10 and all but confirms that this is Carrie for her. At least she's doing good work in investigating this. Yeah. Right? She's listening to the phone call. She's watching them talk to each other. She knows the footprints I mean, are the same. She's scoping on out the other house hand, later. like Brock and Bunker are essentially giving her just layup after layup and like coming over to her desk and talking their confidential plans. And but yeah, no, she it's it's also exactly. good to know that she can do a little bit of digging herself. Yes. Proctor shows up at the office later that day, and the whole Amish squad. What's the name of a group of Amish people together? Congregation. A congregation. Uh, Conclave. A, a murder of Amish a, people. <laughs> a murder of Amish. Yeah. A murder of Amish is there. Yeah. Uh, to demand Rebecca's body back, which is, turns out, is not quite the smartest thing to do when you're dealing with Proctor. Well, I love how they're like... Especially as a non-violent no- group of people, yes. you can't come at Proctor. There's nothing more you can do to us, Proctor. I'm like, really? He hasn't really done that much. No, nah, he hasn't done anything. He's taken fact, a bit- he's treated you with great deal of respect for what you've done to him. Yeah, no. F- these people. These people. These people. But he almost loses it in public in front of the cameras until Burton steps in between them. And... Uh, this is the scene where Burton looses their horse and Proctor burns all of their crops to the ground. I'm guessing it's just their pro- crops. Like, if it could, what if it's their church, their homes, <sighs> like the whole damn community? That would be a step too far. Uh, one thing I've heard through my Amish sources, as I mentioned, I, I, I knew. You have Amish sources? No, I, I knew. I, I dated a girl whose dad was a. I said this last episode. Were you, were you, were you, were you with the episode? No. Were you, were you podcasting with me? No. Okay, I had a special guest. Uh, but uh, I knew a sheriff of a Amish town, LaGrange, Indiana. And he, one of the things that I, I learned, and I don't know if this is true, but I believe I didn't believe he was just bullshitting, is that the Amish have a shit ton of money. Because they own, like, you know, when you're buying Amish furniture, or you're doing Amish tourist shopping, they, they take all this money and all this they're cash cheeses, money. They don't pay Social Security taxes. Amish are exempt from t- paying most federal and Ooh. Social Security Medicare taxes because they went to the Supreme Court and said, we take care of our own people. We don't need it and we won't ever accept it. So they just sit on lakes of cash. Why? like And, huh? For what, what purpose? Because they don't spend it on anything. But what? Why collect if you don't need to spend? I do, because they might need to spend it one day to take care of. I don't know, but I'm just saying that that's one thing that they that and they, they don't they only really help their own community. They're not really like you know giving to Haiti relief funds and stuff like that. So as a consequence, so you're they just it would be. That's where the big heist will come in. They're going to rob the Amish. Yes. I feel like that that might not be part of the Banshee Amish because it seems like the Banshee Amish are, are seen as very mo- and, and that's the thing like. Even though these Amish are rich, they don't live flashy or anything. They don't really have anything to spend money on. So I just think that's uh, if I feel like these. That's the one thing is Banshee gets unreal, uh, unrealistically is that these Banshee wouldn't antagonize Kai Proctor and they just wouldn't have any dealings with them at all. And if they wouldn't give their daughter's body back, they certainly wouldn't organize a press conference and a protest. 
Yeah. It'd just be another thing that uh, Satan's doing to fuck with them, and they gotta put their nose at a grindstone and plow those fields and go on living their life. Yeah, I agree. But that wouldn't be fun. Did we get to see, you know, Burton almost cut a leg, horse's legs off? Well, they gotta have some streak of rebellion in them, or else they wouldn't have created people like Rebecca and Proctor. Am I right? I think the human spirit creates people like Rebecca and Proctor. Like... That's why I'm, I imagine their uh, retention rates are fairly horrific. Although I guess that's not true. You know, like y- you let an 18 year old off for Rum Springer, and you'd think they'd never come back. But I guess that the retention rates are surprisingly high. But then again, mm. if you've lived all your life, and then you go out and like you know uh, do a bunch of boozing and whoring and drugs, I can see how that if that's what you think the Amish life or the the English lifestyle is. Oh yeah, after all those years, you get one bad hangover. You're like, fuck. Yeah, this. it's like, oh, my parents are right. This is an empty, shitty way to live. But it's like. You know, that's two extremes. Like, the opposite of crazy is still fucking crazy. To give him a real shot at the English life, you'd have to give him 10 years to, like, okay, here's some training, and here you yeah. can get a job, and here's how you contribute to society, and this is what a, you know... Right. I don't know. This is what a woman looks like when you come home and she's not wearing a frock and an apron and these wool socks. Like, it's <laughs> like the, all these things. Like, here's a 10-speed you can ride. They They don't get get the full spectrum. The full experience, right. It's always just the extremes, so. So Calvin and Watts meet with Proctor, and he has Calvin kill Pony Joe by tearing him in half with a truck. Pretty bad. To negotiate a piece or show that they are quite serious about what they're doing. Quite serious. Disgusting. I believe they are quite serious. Uh, I, mean, I felt bad for Pony Joe, but the whole time I'm like, well, you're a neo-Nazi. Mm-hmm. What What are you expecting? Yeah. I mean, you had to have seen this coming sometime. Right. Whether from your brothers or somebody else whose yeah. life you've threatened. Yeah. Watts and Calvin show up at Bunker's house later, and he threatens to kill him or something if he doesn't rejoin the Brotherhood. I'm pretty sure it's the threat of death, but not explicitly stated. He's going to just fuck his life up the next morning if he doesn't come to their party and join them. He's going to party but today, he'll come but to tomorrow. That party, all right. Tomorrow, his life's like a mullet. It's all, <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be, well, it's, it's party up front, business in, in the next day. And Brock, or Bunker's going to be his business. And mullet's the opposite. Well, it'd be the mullet. It's business in the front, party in the back. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what? Uh,. Watts has this giant Nazi party and so gets that's like a flock big... of seagulls, right? <laughs> a party up front, business in the back. Yeah, that would be okay. a flock of seagulls. Uh, or that would be the I the uh, I want to speak to your manager mom haircut <laughs> or Mugatu haircut from uh, yes, Zoolander. Exactly. <laughs> that's just party everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Watts has this giant Nazi party and uh, Bunker shows up to the party to scope him out with a sniper rifle in full uniform. With his service vehicle. And Brock shows up and he's like, what the hell are you doing? What is everyone doing? Have we all lost our goddamn minds? And I guess Brock just spends his days now driving around tracking people. I think, I mean, why not? Why not? 
Like, he's there's got... nothing else to do. That's why he's not hunting the serial killer or hasn't found him yet. <laughs> he's just he's just following Rebecca's car. He's just following Bunker's car. I mean, that's like the thing. Like the... you're right. That mom had every reason to be mad at him. Uh, you're right. He's just really squandering police resources. I don't know what Bunker was thinking. Like I was uh, when when in fact when he's in there and he's got this sniper scope and I notice he's wearing his banshee uniform. I'm like, for fuck's sake, what is going on here? But, I mean, again, there's some deliciously over-the-top stuff. Like, the fact that the neo-Nazis had taken over a drive-in movie theater and they're screening a Triumph of the Will for their giant party. Like, come on. Come on. Maybe that's what they do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know a single neo-Nazi. Me either. Thank goodness. So, Bunker does recommit himself to doing a good thing. And the lawful thing. Why... Didn't Maggie get in touch with him when Watts got out? That I, night during dinner? I've never had an affair. But I imagine day. you can't be in daily contact with your lover when you're having an illicit affair. Yeah? Okay, well, here's the thing that you can do. Let them give him a heads up that my murderous father's back. Shoot me a quick text. Hey, Watts is out. He might be looking for you. Delete the but text But the first night phone. he's there, he's, he's, he's singing Nazi songs through your... I mean, you've got other things on your mind that, oh, I gotta let my you know, side piece boyfriend know that this guy's out in jail. Well, they've had time to tie someone to a tree and tear him apart before Maggie decides to call Bunker. True. And and I guess I was surprised when I see the phone call from Maggie uh, on Bunker's phone when someone's pulling up. I thought Calvin's going to be there and he's going to see. He's going to be under the car. He's not going to see that Maggie's going to be showing on the screen. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. But uh, foreshadowing, maybe it will. Yeah. I also it's thought gonna come scene, out. I mean, this, this story is gonna explode at some point. I also thought it was interesting in this in this drive-in movie scene, Triumph of the Will deal, that for the first time I thought I saw a fam- familiar resemblance between um, was it Calvin, Calvin and Bunker. Oh, really? Like I feel like I mean, and yeah, de- I guess that was pretty. I mean, definitely Bunker's more of a badass, and he seems like he's the stronger of the two brothers, and even the neo Nazis even say that, but. I felt like in their facial structure, it does look like there's definitely a strong blood relationship there. So kudos on the casting people. Also, forgive me if I've already mentioned this, but it occurred to me again this episode. Bunker seemed to go ham on those tattoos, didn't he? A lot more than Calvin did. I really haven't seen Calvin or maybe Watts or anyone else just have as many tattoos and as many visible places as he does. And again, for a guy who said he's working on removing them, the only tattoo that I see removed is the one that the Brotherhood did with the hot iron. Yes, exactly. I I question your commitment to getting... I think secretly he thinks they're badass. Like, he doesn't believe in the... He, right. he doesn't believe in the ideology anymore, but man, those Iron Eagles. Right. This cross, this, this was, this kind of cool. I kind of look like a badass. Yeah. So, a lot of bad choices all around there. <laughs> but he comes home, and Maggie is there waiting for him, and she just had to tell him in person. There's absolutely no other way that she can get in touch with him. Also, if she was calling him over and over, or maybe even texting him, why the secrecy? Just why not call her back? What if... I mean, you know Watts is out and he's come to visit you. Maggie's calling you over and over. What if she's in danger? What if her son is? What well, I, she- I don't think he's ignoring her. I think he's he was working on his truck and, you know, he hasn't come that's out for a, a sip of really beer or nothing excuses. for like six hours. <laughs> he's just been underneath the truck. And then he put on his on uniform, the same went straight to go shoot him yeah. at night. 
Uh, well, he did talk he to her. Right? No, 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 no. He did. He, he did talk to her. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. Because he 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 did that. I think that's why he went out to shoot Watts. No, he went out to shoot. Because she said, "I can't do this anymore." That was afterwards. He went out to shoot Watts because Watts oh, came. Oh right, that was uh, that was the same damn night. Okay, you're yeah, right. Yeah, it was later after the party that she was just waiting at his house. You're right. Anyway, she gives him a. I would like to know what his new Aryan revolution was going to be. Um, I mean, not like I'm looking forward to, like, ooh, I'm, uh, but I, I, I wonder what his plans were to do with all this money and power he's about to get. And also, I don't, I don't know. Cal, so do you think Calvin's going to be able to deliver the drugs, or do you think this is just going to be a dilemma for Proctor, that he's now going to have the cartel breathing down his neck and the Brotherhood turning against him? I think it's just going to be a dilemma for Proctor. I don't think Calvin's at all interested in distributing to But there's no way the that if, if the Brotherhood really has ten times the muscle of Proctor, that can't be the actual reality on the ground. Because what, what reality? The fact that the Brotherhood says they have ten times the muscle that Proctor does. like I don't believe that Oh, Proctor... I believe it. Did you see the group of people at the party? How many people have you seen Proctor ever use as his brute force? It's Burton. But what I'm saying... So that amount of people is 10 times Burton. <laughs> but but if that's the case, then why is Watts working for him? Like, what was the law... What were the plans that Calvin didn't know about and Calvin is fucking with now? Because I don't oh, believe I for a second saying. that Proctor is just like, oh, shit, they finally realized there's more of them than me. What am I going to do? That's why I'm like, what is the... Didn't he what's say the that they made a secret here? agreement? I know, but I'm saying, what is what is the plan? I, I'm sure we'll find out, but that's what I'm trying to... I, I'm, I'm desperately wanting to know is what is the overall plan that they're trying to do this season? Or okay. that they've been trying to do for eight years, apparently. Okay. So, back at the... Cal- were, wait, were you surprised that Watts had been in jail for eight years? I think that's new information. I'm like, man, I thought he was in there for a couple, maybe a year or two, but he's been running this thing from the inside for eight long years? Yeah, I guess that is kind of surprising, especially for him to spring him now. But on after the other eight hand, years and like him that, to have some sort of relevance. We also knew that he had many parole meetings, and there's no way if he'd just been in there for right, sixteen months that he'd been. Like, this is your fourth parole review, you fucker. Yeah. Do you have anything else? No, no. You can move on. Back at the Calvin household, he's drinking with a purpose again. He makes a lot of important decisions when he's drinking. That's the best way to make him completely lit and drunk. No sober analysis. No, absolutely not. I mean, that's not how you get into the neo-Nazis, right? Right. It's not on sober sober judgment and analysis. Yes. So uh, Watts continues to press Calvin's buttons after he asks him to politely leave my house and never come back. And he says no. So he gets a an ice pick in the back, in the base of his neck. Right, that's where it hit, right in the spine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might have been that, or might have just like because it looked like he got, maybe did two or three vicious jabs into the neck. It wasn't just one; it was at least two, maybe three. He really went chunk, chunk, chunk. So it might have gotten his like jugulars too, because you can bleed oh, out pretty I didn't damn see fast. That. I just saw one stab into the back yeah. of his head. Anyway, there's not much in the neck that you can fuck with without it being fatal. So uh, I do wonder now because Watt said it's a little too late to grow a pair. I feel like that that is kind of some prophetic foreshadowing that, like, yes, he did stand up to him and he killed him, but, you know, Proctor's three days away from needing eight tons of Amish designer drugs or whatever they are. And it, I don't think that Calvin's going to be able to deliver on that without Watts's management. So, do you think that this is all pushing him to self destruct? 
himself and the Brotherhood. I mean, they got to wrap all this up in three episodes, right? Is Bunker going to get his wish and have his brother get out? That would really suck if he's worked so hard to get his brother out, and then he does, and his brother comes around. He's like, "Oh, and I've been sleeping with your wife." Well, the so problem is, is he's not. He, I don't see any signs that Calvin is rethinking his commitment to the Brotherhood. He's he's thinking that Watts has sold out the Brotherhood. That he's not, you know, he's he's not uh, he's not blaming. He's not he's not throwing the Jews and the blacks under the bus. So he must. Uh, it's not like he's having like, oh my god, I've been serving a lie the whole time. It's like this guy's just not extreme enough. So I don't, I don't see him getting out. I really don't. Okay. I wouldn't buy a change of heart in the next three episodes. By what him. do you see this going then? I don't know because it seems like there's way too much shit going on. They've got to. Job's still having these dreams of this government stuff, which I feel is significant. That they've they've, they've got to figure out something going on with you know we got to get more into their background and the mystery of Hood and Job. Right. They got to wrap up the Brotherhood. They've got to have Carrie's war against Proctor, and someone's got to win that. You know what I mean? There's like a lot to wrap up in just three episodes. Right. Anything else with there's the, the Satanist plot that was introduced for no damn good reason? Right. Uh, there's Burton. We got to find out that he's the real murderer. Uh, I, I don't know. Which is not going to happen. Definitely. In the next <laughs> three episodes. So Job is having nightmares of standing in a noose for 28 hours. Uh, the guy comes in to congratulate him on doing it for so long. And I think Job just tries to kill himself by kicking the thing out for under him from under him. And he gets cut down. Yep. So, I that answered my next question. What if Job tried to kill himself? They want to keep him tortured. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I think they just enjoy it, even though they're not getting anything out of and, Job. And it could be that they're just showing this to show us that it, it's Job's mental state and that he's like suffering through all this trauma, which is all well and good, but I also think it means something else. Right. So Carrie gives him a list of chores to uh, reintroduce him to society and responsibility and to stop feeling sorry for himself. And it's definitely got windows on it. Mm-hmm. She goes to see her therapist and talks about missing her father. Is that surprising to you at all? No, because, I mean, the way the, what they said about Rabbit seems consistent with, uh, you know, that he was madly in love with Carrie as far as his little girl and that he was trying to treat her right. But then... You know, she grew up into a real person, and she wasn't as easy to control, and then the relationship went south. But It seems very similar to the way that Calvin is a good father yeah, to his son, but he's just a shitty human being. Yeah, and that's the other thing is, like, you know, well, Cal- what, what happens when little Calvin grows up and starts saying, I don't know, Dad, I think that all people like- were created equal <laughs> and they should have rights. And it's like, okay, well, fuck you then. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, it's really easy to love little kids because they're just mini-yous. They have none of your faults and all of your good features and so adorable. But then when they start developing a few of your faults and a few of their... That's the challenge of parenting. Like, okay, stay present with the situation and and keep loving them. And I think that's where people that are power freaks, control freaks, like Rabbit and your garden variety uh, neo Nazi and your helicopter parents, that's where they go wrong. They right. they they never they never make that leap to oh these people are their own independence and I, I don't know. Um, but sure, what were we talking? about? Oh yeah, Rabbit. I did like the saltwater taffy touch. Nice. Maybe hungry for salt water. I've, it's been Popcorn years since I've had salt, salt water. water. That sounds good. I know. Next time we go, that's the thing. I haven't been. To, I haven't been to a coast 
in forever. I've been yeah. going up to uh, Lake Michigan for my summer vacations of late, and they're famous for not having salt water. Yes. So where do you get your salt water taffy around here? You don't. It's bad for your teeth. You probably order it from Amazon. <laughs> Hood shows up at Carrie's house, and he and Job are able to have this heart-to-heart that we discussed earlier. And Job reveals that she is indeed warring against Proctor. She's got this fortress set up, and uh, they are onto her because Cruz shows up later to prowl around the house and sets off all of the silent alarms. And the I, I'm assuming as soon as she pulled up her car on the video camera, Job knew she was there. Nah, Job was just pulling out weeds by the security gate <laughs> with a gun. <laughs> yeah. Just shooting out weeds. <laughs> Damn it, Carrie! Why don't you have a garden trowel? I got to use a nine millimeter. Uh, yeah, that that's, that's a good job. Oh, thank you. I thought I went with a different, uh, uh, a little bit more of an urban inflection than I was wanting. It, it was a very sugary job. Sugar, <laughs> a little sugar, a little mix, a little, a little sugar, sugar in my job. A little yeah. too sweet. <laughs> so, I guess Carrie's going to be made aware now that Cruz is onto her because there was no reason for Cruz to get there. I mean, you think that if you're going to do something like that, you at least come up ahead of time with a good excuse in your head, but maybe she just doesn't care. Mm-hmm. But you really, I mean, the same way in any action movie, when you have the element of surprise, you're standing behind someone, you can attack them without them hearing you, but you let out a war cry as you're jumping. Mm-hmm. That's a trope I always hated. Yeah. So for her to just show up herself in the middle of the night is just really... But she didn't know that was Carrie, did she? No, she knew that was Carrie's house. That's why she was there. I thought that there was some... Like, that Carrie had bought this through some kind of... I didn't know that that was common knowledge that the person living there was actually Carrie. So why did she come to the house? Yeah, because she's... Yeah, you're right. The whole thing. Okay, I was wrong. Yeah, maybe wrong. she bought I'm it through a down. third party, but she's definitely there to investigate Carrie. And I don't think I don't think Cruz respects Carrie. No, absolutely not. Obviously, I mean, she I'm, was... I'm hoping for the Cruz Carrie throwdown celebrity death match that we get next episode. Yeah, can we get some press conferences? Yes, I'm coming for you, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> so the episode ends, I think, since my notes are out of order, with Job returning to his baldness. Yeah. He lost the hair. He lost the beard. He's he's back. Job is back. Uh, one thing I want to talk about that we didn't quite cover is when he went to go uh, settle into Chapin's old uh, Airstream trailer. Uh, he remembers about these these old conversations they had when he's like, "I'm wondering if people like us can change." And you know, Chapin said significantly, "You mean people like you?" This implies that we are going to see some kind of finality and some kind of closure with the Hood character. And yet, we only have three episodes left. I'm just like, how how in the world are they going to wrap all this up in a satisfying way? I just keep wondering, because I, I have faith in this production company that even with all the silliness that they will leave Banji in Banji. They'll they'll leave Banshee Banshee. in a place that will feel like it's a finality and it's satisfying and it feels like, oh, I'm glad they came back for four seasons. On the other hand, maybe they're going to be launching a... uh, If you find out that they're launching a a, a series of movies, I guess I wouldn't be too upset about that either. Really? Like, uh, you know, if we find out that at the end of the season they're going to have like a trilogy of Banshee movies, I could get behind that. I just, with a quarter million people watching the final season, I don't see that ever getting greenlit, though. So no. they better fucking give us a good ending. I should hope so. God damn it. Uh, anything else to talk about this episode? I don't think so. Ball and Tropper, right? Is it Tropper or Troper? 
Chopper. Uh, we need we need some finality, man. I know it's all shots and in post production, it's too late to change anything. But <laughs> gotta have yes. some gotta gotta have a nice nice banshee bow on this. You know what? I'm just not thinking about it. I'd rather discuss the finality in the final episode. Okay. Or as it gets closer and they wrap things up, because my hopes are set like super high. Yeah. It's a problem. Well, all I can say is the termites have completely eaten this sh- this uh, episode, and we're gonna have to set it on fire, burn and it to move the ground. On. So uh, it's uh, we're gonna have to pull up to the uh, silver uh, airstream trailer that is feedback. Our feedback to <laughs> conclude the episode, and, okay. and think about ourselves, think about our life, think about our p- past conversations, think about our choices. Yep, be horrified by them. Do we have enough scotch? I don't think so. I can't drink this bottle of scotch by myself. So we both know that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've got a couple of things from the forums. The first from Nathan. I've definitely accepted now that this season will never be as hard hitting as season three, but this all seems to be ramping up to a great conclusion. Agreed. Um, yes. I hope they're saving the budget for a thrilling all out gunfight at Casa La Carrie with the triggers being Proctor moving on Carrie and the neo-Nazis moving on Kurt. It's a shame they took out Chief Nazi, but maybe Calvin will try to pin the death on Kurt because he's jealous that the ex-Nazi still gets more respect than he does. We didn't even mention Calvin naked cutting up Watts' body. Oh, yes. The the post-credit sequence? Pre-credit yes. sequence now? Our yeah. old post-credit now. Pre-credit, Man, when he was buck naked, I'm like, is he going to like do something freaky with this corpse? I know. I thought he was going to... You know, have... Sure. Uh, I'd, you know, would you... <laughs> It's like, uh, what do you think, Watts? Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. i have a Buffalo Bill moment. Maybe he's just trying to demonstrate to the camera that he has a lot of tattoos, yeah. just like his brother, but yeah. still, no, no, I'm not nah, convinced. Nah, nah. You're nothing like your brother. He continues, then again, because it's Banshee, is it weird to say that I could see the Amish riding up to Proctor's mansion with the old-timey artillery and taking him down? Oh, that would be kind of sweet if, like, they all mount up with pitchforks and, like, size and axes and Proctor's bloody and he's out of bullets and they just go to town on him. No, they're peaceful people. I know, but this is Banshee Amish. Okay. They, they got right. a point where they'll snap. They've all got guns strapped to their thighs underneath. Just like, it's just like Calvin. Like, you can talk a bunch of shit and you can say he doesn't have balls and you can sing Nazi anthems to his kid. But, you know, you go and ask a man for a drink, that's that's a line too far. It and is. The Amish, you can chop off their horse's legs and you can withhold their <laughs> shunned daughter's bodies. But you fucking burn their crops, it's on. <laughs> it's on. Those are God's crops, man. He says, I still want Job to get justice on the one hacker who got away. Hopefully shaving means he's ready to seek vengeance. That would be pretty sweet. Yeah. Paint war paint where his beard used to be. <laughs> With blood. Just a big red just just big red hand over his face, like Saruman style. Heck, maybe Satan Killer really does go after De- Deva, meaning all the plots converge on Carrie's stronghold. I mean, Holy it wouldn't be the first shit. time she acted out. All if- roads lead to Satanism. If he kills Deva and Hood gets his hands on him and Hood and Proctor tag team, I would—I mean, I might feel sorry for the Satanist if that comes to pass because it's going to make that, that my my favorite or I think the most brutal, disgusting fight scene I've ever seen on the show was when he beat up that boxer, mm-hmm. like was breaking his fingers and it was just mm-hmm. it was it was brutal. That's going to be nothing, man. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, Corey says... Because Hood's got all that black cell CIA training, and Proctor's got all that, you know, medieval farm implement uh, 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 Amish sensibilities. Like, it, it could get ugly, ugly right. fast. And then Burton's Burton. Like you, you throw that into the mix. That's that's a recipe for not wanting to be able to, uh, to live through that. I don't think Burton's got a motive. He doesn't need one. That's what's the cool thing about a psychopath. He, he just needs a... You mean a sociopath. A sociopath, yeah. He doesn't need the... And, he doesn't need a motivation. He just needs someone to tell him, it's okay, Burton. It's okay. Unleash yourself. Corey says, Brock has to hold a team meeting. He's got one officer trying to snipe the leader of the Brotherhood while in full uniform and driving a police vehicle. <laughs> while another is skulking around outside someone's gated house, no doubt with nefarious intentions. No wonder they can't stop a serial killer. They're terrible criminals themselves. Yeah, they just, there's like... facts. There's one and a half good cops on the Banshee squad. Yeah. And again, Brock's only really good for getting Hood's coffee, so I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's a good thing Hood and, and Carrie and Job are back in business. Right. I was kind of um I was kind of hoping that Hood would move back into Carrie's house. Or would move into Carrie's yeah, house. Yeah, you said that, that sometime before this episode. You're like, I hope this is that everyone gets like the whole gang gets back together at the Carrie compound and that right. would be kind of fun. But not it's not meant to be. I mean that would be an awesome war, am I right? Sure. Plus the scene, like the bre- you know the scenes of the them sitting club? over the breakfast table and yeah, and you know just kind of chilling, watching TV at night. That, that'd be <laughs> get TV sugar things. in there. You know, sugar's wanting to watch one thing, and they're wanting to watch the other. Right. Job wants to watch Hackers for the twentieth time, and they're like, "No, Job." <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all I've got. Okay. You have anything? Nope. All right. Well, we'll see you again. Feedback. If you want to send us feedback, it's banshee at baldmove.com or forums at baldmove.com. I am your host, Cecily. I'm Aaron. We'll see you again next week. <laughs>